So I'm uh, at the laundry today and had to do my laundry, you know, among other things. But today was laundry day. <clears throat> so uh, I'm checking out my clothes, putting them in the washer. I got three huge washers, just washing everything, my sleeping bag, my pillows, my blank, my blankets, uh, everything, except for a couple of pairs of socks I missed. But I, uh, I'm out here, you know, when I'm out here with the dog, even when I, <laughs> we just walk around, I look at the ground a lot. I pick up rocks. Um, my neck has been down looking at the floor of the way I walk because um, they got so much quartz out here, different color quartz. Uh, almost, you're lucky if you find some very clear quartz. But I'm looking for geostones and stuff like that. Something odd. I got a couple of stones now, you know. Uh, somebody gave me some petrified. Met a lady in the hotel. She just, I was asking her about rocks because she was talking about she has some rocks on consignment. So, uh, struck up a conversation. Actually met her through the dog because her dog met pretty girl and you know, ended up talking about uh, different things, a little conversation led to rocks because I asked her because she said she was in Quartzite or going to Quartzite, pick up some things on her way home. I think she was going to, she sit, recommended Arkansas boondocking area and not, I didn't tell her not. I'm like, really? Wow, ooh, cool. May have to check it out, but I ain't going to fucking Arkansas and boondock. But uh, mosquitoes too big, that's all. But, uh, so, you know, I, I be out here looking up, looking for different rocks. I showed her a couple of rocks she, I found out. And she's like, wow, I found one with some gold in it. Oh, she says petrified, oh, not petrified, uh, pot right. I say it's gold. Um, found a couple of unique rocks. So I keep them in, uh, she actually gave me some rocks. So anyway, while I'm out here, I pick up rocks. I look at rocks. I oh, just don't matter. I destroy a lot of rocks looking for a geostone and different odd rocks. Make sure, see if they like the blue crystals all the way through. Looking for um, turquoise, any damn thing. And I actually don't know. I even got a book in the library digitally and um, using that, trying to identify rocks and the stones or precious stones. Now, there's a place where you are uh, uh, down here in between Arizona uh, and California that has uh, a lot of geostones. But, you know, doing, being a seasonal thing right now with a lot of people around, I just don't bother going around them. Uh, I may, may not. So, anyway, I was doing laundry today. And that's so happened one of these grayish, look like a um, a moonstone with red uh, and a bit of black because it has a lot of iron out here too. And the iron, you know, you tell it's iron by magnetized. You, you use a magnet. So anyway, I'm doing my laundry, shaking out some shit. Rock fall out my pocket. Boom. Hit the ground. Now, you don't run into too many people, black people, People in Yuma. So they actually, when I was uh, starting my laundry, I asked the 
the, the lady was back there shaking out her clothes. I say, anybody using these? And she said, nope. So I uh, started using them. Anyway, the rock fell out my pocket. Maybe about, uh, shit, wasn't very big, uh, but it was a nice size rock. Um, let's see, uh, about the, as big as a silver dollar, but maybe a little more uh, on a square side. Uh, not so much square either, you know, it's a, but more square than round. It's it fucking, I don't even think it had a corner to it except for maybe where the magnet and the red was. But anyway, this little dusty stone uh, fall out of my pocket, hit the ground. And now you can tell it's a fucking stone. <laughs> but uh, I, I look at this black lady who's there in the corner shaking out her clothes. I guess she's going to put them in the dryer, or maybe she even took them out the dryer. And uh, I say I collect rocks. <laughs> and just smiled and, you know, finished doing my laundry. She gave a little half smile and looked away. Like, cool, okay. And I, 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 I thought about that. Maybe I shouldn't have said rocks, you know, or what I, you know. I should have said, you know, I pick up stones, but, you know, sometimes you just don't give all that information out to people you just don't know. Uh, so it was, I pick up rocks. So maybe, you know, most people do know. <laughs> so anyway, I uh, started thinking about rocks and uh, stones and whatever the nickname for that cocaine shit they dropped in and inside the black neighborhood and uh, I um, I I you know I I was on crack for three years you know uh, you know I uh, first started doing cocaine first you know used to go to the project get these little pouches of cocaine they used to have I'm sure everybody, projects mean desire. Because um, that was my stomping ground, even after I got out of the military. And as a matter of fact, when, when I first got out of the military is when I first heard a crack. And that was in 79. So, uh, and how I heard about it was I went, uh, I was actually new in New Orleans. Um, I don't even know why I didn't tr trust my my brothers to go get me a bag of weed, you know. I mean, they was like, fuck. I don't know, you know. It was like they wasn't always there for you, you know. And I mean, I'm just new in New Orleans. Where the weed at, you know? So uh, anyway, I'm down in Desire looking for a bag of weed, you know. It might even been slow during that time, too, because, you know, during election time, they use that for excuse not to have no fucking weed around or any little thing to shorten up the fucking uh, supply of weed around. So I'm uh, down in uh, that corner, right there at Desire, and um, right where the little healthcare center was. And then the little store right there next to it was that uh, shit. Whose store was that? I know this motherfucker Kingfish say he owned it, but maybe it was his store. But I I didn't go in that store too much. Not that I don't don't even remember who owned it because after. Uh, I got out of the service, the whole place changed a bit. And I didn't go down there much except for to score my drugs. In the beginning, um, I went 
it was a guy who we actually lived around in the project. You know, we lived on uh we lived in a courtyard that faced uh Abundance Street. And, you know, Abundance Street, we was on I guess the uh, uh the Pauline side, the Alva Street side of Abundance, of Desire. And we was at first courtyard. After you have the long building right there on Desire and Abundance where the clerk stayed upstairs and then you have the uh that the back and then the first courtyard that was ours we was the one right at the driveway and right at that driveway we had uh they had uh tony and his brother i think stayed around the corner or right upstairs in the other apartments on the other side or right there kitty corner that faced desire street because it made an open square and I saw his brother say, hey, man, where do we, you know, well, what you looking for? A dime. Back then, you know, dimes were still nice. Uh, they was getting tight, though. Shit still getting tight, you know, because you used to have to buy, from, went from that to buy fucking, uh, what they call the puffers. But they load you up with some bullshit weed, mostly, you know. But anyway, uh, they had this dude right on Mazan who had some good fucking weed sold ounces. And that's all you look for was somebody who sold some decent fucking ounces. But it took a while to get to that. But anyway, Tony, little brother, I can't even think of the little motherfucker name. Probably come to me after I finish this. Say, yeah, I know where it's at. Took my money. I'll be right back. <laughs> and I waited and waited. I'm like, what the fuck? Somebody that knew Paz there, you know, who knew me enough to uh, speak. <laughs> hey, what's up, Turner? Uh, fuck, man. Da da da, this da. This motherfucker Tony, brother. Oh, man. That dude, that nigga on crack. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. What's crack? He told me about it. I'm like, ah, get the fuck out of here. And, you know, I had to be new because, I mean, that shit, I don't, it was new there. I mean, the shit hadn't exploded, like, talking about it. It wasn't that many people on it that was to come to get on it. And that was in 79. Might have been the early, early 80s. But, because uh, I got out of the military in uh, uh, August, you know, four months before the new year. As a matter of fact, three months because it was at the end of August. So uh, that was my first experience with crack. Now, uh, you know, I did weed uh, when me and Joan was together. We did uh, a little powder sometime, you know, went to, because uh, we worked, mm, we were doing okay. We worked for ourselves. You know, we was trying to hit all kind of little things with the money. Had Tried to run a restaurant a little bit. Uh, had a little cleaning service a little bit. <laughs> You know, we did just did different things, you know. Even tried to deal a little weed a little bit. That didn't work out too much because we both smoked. But uh, we did a little cocaine. And, you know, finally, I uh, when I was uh, working, she hadn't got her job. You know, we had just gave it up, the little dream of hustle. So she got her job. I was, uh, as a matter of fact, I was working in the restaurant business, but not, with the food side, I was doing more on the cleanup side. Um, food side in the daytime, I would uh, um, 
bus. I was busting tables. And that was like before the space shuttle thing, I believe, you know, because I remember sitting working for uh, the park out there in Metairie. You know, in the day t- morning time, I would go there, clean up the place from the night because it was also the park was a party place at night, especially on the weekend. Uh, ran by Chip and his brother uh, Alan. Or was that Ronnie? Oh, it was Alan and Chip Allen and then Ronnie. I booed. But, you know, worked for them and I uh, worked for Arrow in the daytime. In the morning time, cleaning up the place. And both me and Lillian did that. And then, I mean, not Lillian, Joan. Uh, and then finally, Joan had ended up going work for Goodwill. I stayed over there working for them. Uh, I finally started working, took over the cleaning for myself and didn't have a lot of time on work because I actually stopped working for um, the the park and the restaurant side. I just did the cleanup and I had so much time on my hand. That's when I really took in a lot of reading. I started reading a lot about the Renaissance and everything else. So with all that time on my hand and reading, you know, I even tried to hustle a little bit, going in the uh, uh, French Quarter, trying to do a little windows, and but didn't do too much. Did a lot of reading, tried to do some writing, and just went there in the morning, cleaned up, uh, and was okay with that for a long time. You know, didn't smoke my weed, and boom, boom, boom. And uh, one day uh, I was writing. <laughs> And I don't want to use this as no excuse to get on into uh, cocaine, but this is how shit happened. I was writing, and I knew Joan's cousin, Tooney. Uh, I'm not going to even give his last name because his mama's pretty famous down there. She uh one of the second liners. But uh, he, uh, well, I knew him and his brother Philip was into crack, smoking crack, but I didn't know Philip at the time. But as was, you know, doing the uh, crack, this new things. And this now, this is years later after Tony brother had to rip me off, you know, and watch, you see how bad this shit is. And to me, this shit is just as bad as fucking uh, the uh, heroin was in when I was growing up. You know, and this is 79, so, I mean, that was, wasn't was that far away because, you know, I just grew up in the uh, uh, 50s and 60s there, you know, 70s, you know, everybody look at you and mature, especially when I, you went outside the project, young black man. But, <clears throat> excuse me. So, you know, I was writing this book, uh, Black and Blue, different things. And then I wanted to go into manhole uncovering. How do you uh, get, because my whole thing was always trying to unite blacks. Can't y'all see what's going on? That was my whole thing. And if you could get the drug addicts, but you know, addictions is a lot of different things. It's not just drugs I see now, you know, but that's what I was working on at that time. You know, the drug addicts, how do you get a drug addict to stop using drugs? And you don't. He's got to see that. He got to see that himself, you know. And I come to this realization after fucking, even after being on it, because you, you still, once you come off it, 
You actually still on it mentally until you really, really break free and put some distance between you and that experience. And uh, not just some distance, but some good distance between you and that by filling your life up with something different as opposed to that <clears throat> something that's going to addict you. And that's with anything, you know. You know, if if we, a lot of people say, well, we're not addicted. If you're looking at your phone, walking around all day with your neck bent down, there you go. But, you know, it's the way we look at different addiction. But anyway, getting back to the crack. So I uh, knew Tony and his brother. So after we get off in the morning, you know, I would uh, do my little thing at home. Knew what time they would get off, you know. And I'd, uh, you know, Jones still didn't get off until maybe 5 o'clock. I'd, I'd go pick her up. So I started... <laughs> watching them, you know, and even buying them crack and started watching them. And I didn't fuck with it, you know, because I was always that. I was some scary ass from, with drugs. Uh, I just didn't do drugs. I didn't. I just never. The way I suffered with vertical, I just didn't want a chance having vertical, you know, with my life spinning already, you know, unbeknownst to me or anybody else, what I had, and that, I mean, you know, my parents didn't even know because most of the episodes I had with vertical, you know, were uh, somewhat solid and I always slipped away and maybe go for, you know, they'll find me in a room or back. And, you know, my mom even told me, you, you, you know, you're, you always used to be by yourself and never, but now I know why. But anyway, so, with the way I knew I, you know, get dizzy and motion sickness, I just couldn't, I couldn't afford, and I knew early in life that I just couldn't afford to have anything that may control me. And that's another reason I never got into the opioids because, uh, I, you know, they gave me some of that shit, you know, for my back and different things. I'm like, oh, no, hell no. Ah, you should have got them. You could sell them. Fuck no. That's just me anyway. I don't care what you do. But, you know, and I started watching them, you know, and finally, eventually, yeah, I did try. You know, did I get hooked the first hit? Not. I, um, I thought about it. Went back and tried again. And I'm like, you know, waiting for the get, waiting for the addiction, but see, <laughs> that's, that's, me because I've never allowed myself to be addicted to anything other than what they may call weed, you know. <laughs> so my thing was I didn't really know I had got addicted over a couple of months and I had, you know, started doing things differently uh, in order to feed that addiction without even realizing that I was addicted. I knew what I was doing by putting making sure I had this and that, you know, maybe hit it, uh, $20 words, you know, boom, boom, leave that alone, you know, and it went from $20 maybe every week, you know, to maybe $20 every fucking day. So, and that's how you know the, you're slipping off into shit, but then a lot of us still manage that shit, and I managed this shit for a year, and I <laughs> didn't even realize, I knew 
but I didn't I didn't even say it was an addiction. You know, it was just okay, a change of habit. Um instead of, you know, uh and, and it wasn't even about smoking it, you know, in no pipe, because I wasn't smoking it in the pipe. It was more about geeking up. Uh, hit a pipe very few, but you know, mostly it was geeking up. And then mo- we went from uh, the first year to the second year of. Uh, I, I was a functional one too, and I was an amazingly functional one because I actually uh, went from working uh, for other people to working for myself, and I was cleaning up. Uh, where the crash landing used to be. And I forgot the name of the club, but I know Egyptian Lover used to go there all the time, had concerts and shit, you know. Uh, so I, I used to clean up there. I After the concerts, I had some keys, and I would go there, and, uh, you know, they were good people. They trusted me. And I did that shit for my, damn, year and something. Um, and... Just cleaning up, you know, cleaning up, going in the morning, clean up at the place, clean up the outside first. And I usually had somebody with me. My dad, I usually brought my dad there on a weekend, on a busy weekend, give him a little change. And uh, would just uh, go there and clean up the fucking thing. And when I got on crack, I ain't use nobody. I kept every fucking penny to myself. That's what an addict do, right? So I went ahead on. Hold on. Okay, had to get deep, had to step out into the light, oh, into the night, and, uh, yeah, pee in a container, but this canopy of light, the moon's not up yet, moon's still got a couple of hours or three to come up, so I stepped out and, uh, saw Ryan, down to the south, but not too far down. And I uh, lit my joint. I did say I did laundry, so I couldn't pee on the ground because it probably splashed, still splashed on my feet and uh, on my slippers. And I didn't even wash them today. I meant to wash them. But anyway, let me get back to where I was. Uh, where was I now? Oh. I was working at the uh, Hercules place, or I don't think it was Hercules because that's what the park changed its name into after a while, you know, when a business got slow. Because you give all those restaurants, bars, and something five years, and then boom, they pretty much die out. People find something else interesting to do. So I uh, was uh, working at, uh, worked my way up, even on that crack, working my way up to uh, working for myself, doing things for myself, and uh, was uh, in uh, the uh, place that used to be the crash land, and the plane wasn't there anymore, but they had these concerts, and the Egyptian lover was uh, was one of the big hits there, big draws there, and uh, when he was there, I mean, I them white folks just went crazy over this dude, you know, and I think he was a black dude. He made one good record, I believe, that I kind of most partially heard, but uh, he, you know, he was pretty unknown to me. You know, it wasn't in my musical <laughs> interest uh, select or whatever, so I um, didn't know him too much, but I uh, 
you know, found knew about him once I started cleaning up the place and knew, you know, as as a schedule, you know, when the big day was gonna be, especially one of the real big days. Now, one of the things about cleaning in a place like that, you know, you have a lot of drunk people. Uh, they lose a lot of things, you know, fucking dope. Um, <laughs> I brought my brother over there one day, and he uh, found some fucking pills. They, hey, you want these? I mean, not even that he you want these, but he found them and say <laughs> took them. <laughs> motherfucker going sick or some shit, you know. I'm like, oh, he didn't know what it was. I'm like, oh, that's on you, but that was him, you know. He experimented with any kind of fucking drugs. <laughs> it's not me. I just didn't do that shit, you know. But money, jewelry, fuck. I mean, it was amazing with the shit, you know, weed, you know. I uh, didn't take anything. If it was white, I didn't give a fuck. If I, though I did snort a little cocaine, I, I didn't take it. But when I was on crack, you know, I like I said, I stopped bringing in everybody and I started finding keeping everything to myself and amazingly looked like shit slowed down because everybody else was searching my fucking parking lot even before I got there <laughs> and the earlier I got there the even more they got earlier they got there so it's kind of like one of them fucking games as soon as the club closed people start searching the motherfucker then so you know I started losing out on all years and uh except for I, I did have a job and uh what I had the goal I did have, I, uh, I, 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 fuck, I sold it, I sold it, you know, the rock man, you know, value shit just like a pawnbroker, except for give you a lot less, give you the money stuff so you don't really have to go through the change of going to a pawn shop, which, you know, leave your name and trail and every damn thing else and go through that change of weight all the way uptown and they're going to do you they gonna bring you down anyway. So, you know, you go right to the man with the gold chain, you know, unless you know damn well he gonna, you got a $5,000 gold chain. Luckily, nothing, nothing, I never had that work like that. But I did have a little gold, you know, that I did find, and uh, ended up pawning that shit. Then, it, you know, the last year I'm on, on rocks, I'm just spending all my fucking money on on crack, you know, um, try my best not to, you know, uh, but you know how you put these things in your mind, I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna just go ahead and take, uh, I'm gonna just go ahead and take $50, use that $50, and bring the rest of this shit home, shit, <laughs> you need to just bring this shit home and say, hey, give me some money, but then that shit don't work half the time, because you want to you want to say, hey, give me, just give me the money. Just give me the fucking money. You know, give it back to me. You know, so, you know, finally, you know, the thing is, if they're smart, they stop taking your fucking money. <laughs> you know, and then after you, they do that, you know, your ass end up not going home much, you know. Spend the whole fucking night running that crack. And, and um, that's eventually what happened to me. So I, um, I even had a car. <laughs> uh... Hello, fucking Impala. Ooh, fuck. God damn, this had to be like a 60-something Impala. Gash on the side and the back, but fucking reliable little car. I forgot what I even called the damn thing. And uh, I hit a gutter or a hole in the project because that's where I did all my fucking evil garden 
walking in there and in the lower night ward. Uh, and I lived, uh, I lived right there in the lower night ward too. Matter of fact, I didn't. I lived, uh, as a matter of fact, I did. I lived right there on Tennessee then, Tennessee and Claiborne, right in that house at the corner, on the corner. And on the other corner, not, not right at the foot of the bridge, across the street from the foot of the bridge. Going towards Desalon, going towards uh, when you make that left, going towards Saint Claude, I was on the left, first house to the left. The next house, that yellow house, had them pretty girls. But that woman used to keep an eye on them. Yeah, I stayed there, and uh, my parents lived right around the corner. So I uh I was I was right there when I was on that shit, you know. And um I had uh <laughs> we actually moved to the other side of the canal too in some apartments right there. Right on the other side of uh, the other side of St. Claude Bridge, but on the other side of St. Claude. Oh yeah, on the other side of St. Claude, closer to the naval base. And um uh, we uh you know, I, I was I was fucking bad, you know. I was bad. And I uh, I had a pistol and you know, I I the place I cleaned up, it was uh Egyptian lover weekend. <laughs> and I was planning on going there. And committing a robbery, you know, I was this fucking crazy on this shit. And I had uh, went, I got drunk. I, I fucking plowed well. I couldn't get drunk, you know, because I'm fucking talking myself into this. And I drank damn near half a fifth of vodka. And I'm, you know, I go there usually at uh six o'clock in the morning or whatever, clean up, open up, you know, my, my well, I got my keys. I don't open up. I let myself in, clean up, or after, you know, get all my supplies to do outside. Uh, and I uh, was planning on going there, and once they come in and uh, count the money, usually it was on the weekend, so the girl come in there and count the money. Uh, it was on a Saturday, you know. And it, he was there that Friday. It might have been a Sunday, too. I don't know. I wasn't thinking. Uh but, you know, I think it was a married couple who managed the place, you know. And, it, you know, they were nice, you know. And I mean, they were gangster motherfuckers, <laughs> you know. They uh, they were nice, you know. And uh, I, uh, the lady usually there. And I was planning on going in there and just, you know, rob her. Because I know after the Egyptian letter, they got fucking stacks of money. I, you know, even, you know, and it wasn't they hid nothing from me, you know. I mean, it was just part of my job to go in there and not even go in there, but go past there. And a lot of times, you know, when I'm out there cleaning up, it was just, hey, look, I'm about to leave. You want me to get that trash or whatever? And it wouldn't even be exiting right at the office. It would be, you know, inside or somewhere else, you know. And, yeah, you could come on and pick it up, and I would go pick it up. And, you know, they usually would pay me then and out of fucking... Stacks of money I saw, and I'm like, oh, shit. 
But, you know, it never fucking bothered me. It wasn't my money, you know, so I never worried about it. They paid me out of it. Um, I wasn't a robber. I wasn't a thief. And, well, I didn't steal shit like that. I stole a little liquor when I was out there working. And I uh, went ahead on and uh, was going there. Oh, I was fucking going there. I was drunk. And I'm talking myself in there. Into it. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm getting closer to the fucking time to get there. And I'm talking to myself, talking to myself, talking to myself. I'm just bullshitting myself. And I just walked, walked out the door. And I know I'm going to this place. And I'm going to start my cleanup. Get all this shit cleaned up and make sure that I'm ready to go in there. And once I know I'm ready to go, as soon as they come in, I hit it. Boom. And then I'm thinking about what I'm going to do after I hit it. You know, just get out of town. Get out of town. And then I'm like, no. No, you're going to have to stop and get your little something. And I'm like, come on, Maurice. Don't stop and get it. No, just get you a couple. I know I might have to give me something. So if I just go ahead and get a couple and then hit the road. But I can't do this on the road, so I'm going to have to find somewhere to stay for a minute. You know, for a couple of hours. Uh, I don't know what to do. And, and then I just talked myself into so much shit, and I had to stop. I stopped myself. I fucking stopped myself. I called Chip, and I said, look, Chip, guess what? He said, what? It's 3 o'clock in the fucking morning. You say, everything all right, man? I'm like, no, hell no, fuck no. I said, I'm on this and this, and I'm about to go do this and this. He said, look, man, just stop. Don't think about what you're about to do. Just stop. He said, look, I just wanted somebody to know. I just needed somebody to know. And I hung up. And I went from there and I started walking. <laughs> oh, God, I don't even know if I had a car, but I started walking. I think I did have a car. And I walked. And I walked straight up St. Cloud, all the way across Canal, all the way to what was that street where the charity hospital or the VA hospital entrance was. Whatever street that was, that's where I went. I turned on that street. And uh, next thing you know, I was at the VA hospital. And I uh, told a lady I was a veteran, and she looked up and uh, some information. I might have been even involved in the VA at one time. I don't know. Uh, but I did, uh, told her I needed to, uh, I needed some help. I said I needed some help. <laughs> And the lady told me to have a seat. Made a couple phone calls. And next thing you know, she uh, came to me and said, there, you know, there's no uh, openings right now in the drug rehab program. So if you actually, uh, um, you're going to just have to apply and wait to opening. And uh, we'll take the information and just, you'll just have to go to the rehab and the outpatient clinic and sign up and see about getting inside the clinic. 
And I told the lady, little bitty sharp black lady, oh, God damn, I don't know if they were wearing those white uniforms with the hats on it then or not, you know. But all I do is remember, see this black face, maybe some gray hair, maybe not. Uh, shiny black, black as my daddy. And I said, ma'am, if I go out them doors, I'm going to die. Yeah. I said, if I go out them doors tonight, I will die. And the lady looked at me. <laughs> she said, honey, have a seat. I'll be right back. And she left. Next thing you know, some people came there. She came there with them. She said, look, they're going to take you up to the psychiatric ward. And... You're going to stay up there. They're going to keep you under observation. And after that, they may have an opening in the drug rehab program. And I'm going to write that in your file that you want to get into that. Okay? I said, thank you very much. And I spent five days, oh, God, on some fucking hellacious-ass fucking drugs. See, they said I was suicidal, but that's okay. I was off the fucking street. <laughs> Nobody knew where I was. I got a phone call. God damn, I think uh, the day before I was about to get out because I hit there and it took me off them heavy drugs after they asked me who the president and all these other fucking things, your name. I was fucking drugged. And I think they had me strapped down too. <laughs> but I know uh, after... Uh, couple of days and they're talking to me and stuff, you know, uh, you know, they found out why I was there and uh, actually transferred me to the drug rehab program right away, straight there, boom. And I was in there. Oh, and that was a fucking, it was good. I'm telling you, it was good. I needed, I needed that structure. I needed to know what the fuck I was dealing with for one. And, um, that program itself, uh, the VA uh, drug rehab program itself, you know, it is mimicked after a lot of them. And I don't know if AA mimicked after this one, but this one is pretty harsh. Uh, and it's, they, they, they practice that tough love. And I always wondered if they t practiced that tough love with this addiction because it was primarily black. Uh, where they want to tell you you're always going to be a fucking addict. You got to change this. You can never go back to this. You got to do this. And like it's telling you some impossible shit from one because in the real world, you've got to go back there. You know, like you can't go back to where you lived and did that shit. I'm like, well, come on, man, be real. You know, I, I get off the fucking bus. I got to go. Well, you got to catch another bus for real. <laughs> you know, and, I'm, you know, and it wasn't just me. Uh, a lot of other people thought it was pretty harsh or fucking, you know, crazy the way they wanted to step forward and deal with it. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't complain out loud about anything other than the fact that, no, I'm not going to be an addict forever. Uh, not to crack. <laughs> oh, no, not to crack. Uh, once I defeat this, and I, I, I'm not saying I'm going to defeat it as soon as I leave this place. I, all I know is once I learn how to defeat this, I won't be able to call myself an addict anymore. I won't need to call myself an addict anymore. 
because I won't be scared of it. And see, that's the fear they implant in you in this uh, uh, tough love program is to always have you think you're going to be a, an addict. And there's no progression, no progress with admitting that you're always going to be an addict. You're going to have addictive uh, uh, abilities. But the thing is, when you come to realize that something addicted to you, I don't care how long it takes if you admit it and step away from it. I mean, it, though it may be hard, may it may take a couple of tries. If you do it, you're no longer an addict to it. If it's a prolonged thing, I'm not talking about you stop for two weeks and, oh, I'm no longer an addict. No, come on now. What I'm talking about is something that years and, you know, it wasn't, it was years, years before I stopped actually thinking about crack. But anyway, I uh, went through the program and, um, you know, had a little hard time, you know, but it was actually very fucking very, very useful program. I took what I needed from it and I left the rest. I left that harshness alone because I didn't believe in it. I, you know, when I speak to an addict, I say, hey, look, you know, all you got to do is want to change, you know, you. I say, I, I can't tell you enough. I was there. I said, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky because I saw what it was doing to me. So, you know, I said, we, we, we got this ability to change. As I say, but you've got to be the one to change. You've got to want to change it. You know, and I said, you can. I mean, otherwise you're going to die. The shit going to eventually kill you. And that's how I approach it. You know, let them know you've got the choice. And nobody else, no matter you know, it's wrong the way they talk to them, you know, and I think it's fucking imbecilic. You know, they, you know, they still got to eat, so feed them. We need to feed them uh, or let them go to jail. They've been going to jail for fucking shit, for being addicts, for being sick. And we've been allowing that shit after the government dropped some shit on us. But anyway, going back to this, um, program I uh, made it through there and I was I got came out I was fucking scared um thinking maybe they're right but you know I'm I'm all right I'm all right I started going you know and I was scared I was really so scared and I was trying to get it straight and I was doing good I had been going to the program the outpatient programs uh after with the VA, the AA programs, and I think it was, uh, wasn't AA, it was uh, Narconom or something, shit. And it was the same structure, just like the VA. Um, so you got to make all these meetings, you know, they give you a chip and shit, you know, and uh, I, I, I was having problems with them because they was doing the same bullshit, you know, telling you you're going to be an addict. And they just started, you know, fucking with me, but <laughs> saying, you know, yeah, you, you, you the one, you, you gonna be a fucking addict, you know. And I didn't. Now I'm, I, I got point to prove these fuckers wrong, you know. And you know, I'm like, fuck that, man. And, you know, you can't tell me, you cannot tell me I'm gonna be an addict. Look, we got to walk these streets, and a lot of the dudes agreed with me. We've got to walk these streets, man. We got to walk through this. These same fucking places we did did this shit. How do we deal with that? 
That's what we need to know how to do. I said, we don't need to not go to the places we've been, because fuck the places we've been, some of them right next fucking door. How do I not go to this? If, you know, if I got to go to a meeting, good, you know. You know, if I can't live next door, somebody need to help me. The VA, no, I can't live next door. But that, that ain't going to stop nothing. How do I stop? You know, it's just not like you could go move to the fucking suburbs. <laughs> I don't know where. Because they don't deal in the suburbs where a lot of that. Anyway, a lot of that powder comes from. But anyway, uh. So I uh, uh, was going to outpatient program, and uh, eventually, you know, they asked me not to come back because I was being pretty vocal, you know, to the whole lot of the fucking leader structure about this shit. You know, I don't want to mean, damn, come on, man. Y'all cannot keep telling people, you know, I said, that's a fucking handicap. And they just didn't want to hear it from me anymore. And they told me to leave <laughs> me and another low young blood. And so I uh, I left, and um, I went out there, and I was scared. They told me I couldn't even smoke weed. Like, fuck you. That's my medicine. You know, it ain't no opioids or nothing. That's fucking weed. And I was really scared, too. Now, was I completely off crack when I got out of the program? Yes, I was. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I didn't. I gave up my business. I didn't go back there. Uh, because I was out of the system for fuck. That was a month in the rehab plus the five days. So, you know, uh, I didn't get, I've lost all my equipment and everything, you know. Didn't even go back for a paycheck. All I know, I didn't go there and kill that fucking woman. Because, you know, I, I knew that's what I was going to have to do. I, I knew that, you know. I know that these people not going to fucking just uh, let me walk in there with a gun and not have a gun. So... You know, and then if I wanted to do anything and I talk myself into getting away, I got to kill her to get away now, you know, in order to get away long enough to get away. So, you know, this whole bullshit, and that was before they even have us, had us on track phones. But uh, I had uh, got out of the program, and I was scared. I was really scared. I ended up uh, working uh Working with Chip, Chip was on in the club, not on, yeah, he was running the club. He had a collab, uh, uh, collaboration of different owners, you know, people he knew, because uh, that's the kind of person Chip was. He was a businessman. I was like, when day, hey, dude, I need a job. Sure, man. Gave me a job. I uh, ended up uh, checking in liquor uh, for him, uh, making sure the place was clean. You know, you know, I was... Uh, as far as clubs, fuck, I, I'd clean a club, but, you know, I mean, that was my job, because then you know, most of these clubs had so much expensive shit in it, like the park. The park was the park. They had fucking flowers. They had a, a person just did flowers, plants, and all kind of tropical plants. It was tropical scenery in there, set up with the restaurant. And then upstairs, not upstairs, up a level, they had more rest uh, tables and chairs that they would move uh, when the place opened up at night as a nightclub, which was uh, right around around the stage that sat up there. And it was a glass that pretty much was in three quarters of the place. 
you know, glass from ceiling to floor that had uh, plant depictions on. I mean, it was just a tropical place, and people used to come in once a week on a Saturday, you know, clean up the plants, and it was like a business. They were, got new plants, plus the fact they had some maroon tiles and brass poles with glass, and this motherfucker shine like deacons. And I loved them, and I... I cleaned them, you know, they, you know, that was one of my jobs to clean those. And I, they used to clean them wrong. I mean, I don't know how the fuck they clean them, but they left streaks. But I knew you get some glass cleaner or whatever, and you use paper and newspaper, something like that. And that's what I started cleaning with. And fuck. They could not believe in brass old for the brass. And that shit was so fucking shiny. The glass clean, the fucking tile. And that place was full of tile. I guess a million dollar worth of tile. Half a million dollar worth of brass. And a couple of million dollar worth of glass. And I mean, it was a fucking beautiful place. And I took part in cleaning it. So I enjoyed cleaning that shit. And, you know, I think Chip knew the pride I had in my job. No matter what I done, you know, because I did a couple of jobs with him, you know, worked in the restaurant business, uh, did on, you know, on a, on a food side and that. He, so when uh, I went to uh, him, he gave me a job. I'm working at City Lights for him, and at City Lights, we uh, I'm doing uh, 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 you know, pretty much busing. And that City Lights, I remember they used to have the uh, convention, Hollywood conventions or something there. And I met Brian Allen there. I even got his uh, band, uh, uh, autograph on a, on a uh, bandana. Don Cornelius, Joan River. Don Cornelius see me carry him in the bus pan. He stepped in front of me and said, hey, how's it going? <laughs> okay, you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, I know who you are, dude. <laughs> Excuse me, though, I'm carrying his bus day. <laughs> like, Chubby Checker, met him, you know, saw him do the twist up there. He's kind of old then, too. But, uh, no, and, you know, that's that how City Lights was. I mean, it was like this little Hollywood light atmosphere thing in New Orleans, and it was up there on Howard Avenue, 310 Howard. I can never forget the address. And uh, had, to, like, the little pull-up escorts, not, uh, uh, pull up valet service and everything else, but it was fucking neat. And uh, it was more like a warehouse design, like, you know, a studio. And it was fucking great idea. And so I started working there, and uh, we uh, had little bars set up different spots. And I mostly did uh, busing. I started off busing and stuff, because I'm sure, you know, I'm a minute drug user, but shit. I need a job, and, you know, you want to stop me off on bus, and fine. Then finally, he just said, hey, look, why don't you just come in and start checking in the liquor in the morning? And I started doing that, checking in the liquor, uh, going to get him to write checks, bring the checks to the dude, putting up the liquor, stocking the liquor, make sure he knew what was low and everything. Got myself a job, but it still wasn't enough. I wanted a little more hustle, so at nighttime, I would uh, bus Bus at night, too, you know, on a busy night, uh, well, you know, make that change bus, and then also selling beer sometimes, ice-cold beer. And uh, so he was a good dude. So uh, I, uh, at nighttime, started, you know, 
it was always a hard time getting a fucking job and um I mean a ride <laughs> as black men and from work at night, you know. Black cab drivers wouldn't fucking pick you up because they think you're going to set them up for robbery. But the thing was, we uh, I knew, got to know Norman and Corey. And uh, we started walking home. And I don't know how the fuck we started smoking geeks. I started smoking them. And then I smoked a couple with them. But see, you got to watch the dude who's supplying them because all they're trying to do is get you to get a habit and then they start hitting your money while you start buying it all, you know, like. And I, not that I even want to fucking go that way, but I, I dabbled once, twice. Then I saw myself going up there and said, hey, give, give me a 20. And next time, give me, give me a 20. I'm like, whoa, dude, what are you doing? It's the weekend shit. Remember what you're doing? You started off just like this. Yep. So we walking, and you know, Corey Norman say, "Hey, look, come on, brother. You, you know, they got this anxious thing now. They're ready to run because they got this change done. You know, they're making these tips at every night. So they catch money every night, flow every night too. So I, uh, I'm like, no, man." I'm good. I'm going to leave that shit alone. And Norman said, oh, man, come on. And I hate a motherfucker who's going to try to tell me into some shit after I said no. I say, I'm good, dude. I'm dude. Corey said, hey, you not coming? <laughs> like, no, bro. And they left. Bounce. Boom. Cool. I made it home. I always do. I went ahead on and, uh, Next weekend or whenever I saw them again, you know. Hey, man, you coming out? You coming? Ah, man, I'm going on. Corey coming and say, hey, bro, what's going on? You just don't want to hang with us no more? I said, no, indeed, dude. That ain't even it. He said, well, what is it? I said, look, Corey, I see where you're going, dude. I see where you're going. And where you're going, I been. And I tell you the truth, I don't even need to be fucking with that shit. I've been there. I don't want to be there no more. And I'm telling you, you don't want to fucking go there either. Because a lot of them don't even come back to even talk about this shit. So by me going with you, I'm saying it's okay. But I'm telling you right now, it's not. Ain't nothing against Norman. Ain't nothing against you. It's just something against the drug. You don't need to keep on fucking with it. If you're smart, just stop right now. Boom, he left. So uh, it's about two or three weeks later, maybe even a month. <laughs> uh, Corey came in there. And he had a woman. Corey was a big, tall, yellow dude, damn near my height. He was yellow as fucking a damn sunflower. And his sister was yellow, too, with big red lips. And I remember that. I don't know. I don't even remember her name. But she, uh, they say, look, this is my sister. I told her about you. I'm like, what? Dude, I got a woman I'm married. <laughs> he said, No. 
You see, I told her what you told me about the crack, and she just wanted to thank you because I was slipping to it, and um, she found out, and I went and told her, and I admitted it to her, and I told her what you had uh, told me, and, you know, I'm all right now. I'm good because <laughs> I hadn't seen him in a while. So I'm like, cool. She just came to me and hung me and said, thank you. Thank you very much. I said, hey, no problem. So I uh, was glad. And even, uh, and I hadn't even touched it no more. I had, fuck that. And even uh, Mardi Gras, the first Mardi Gras that came past that. And Corey came to me and he said, uh, I was out there with my family. Me, Joan, and the kids. And Corey came to me and Corey said, Hey, bro, what's going on? You know, everybody happy on the Mardi Gras day. And uh, he said, Hey, man, I got a little bit of that you want. I said, Dude, you still fucking with that? I said, Look, man, I'm out here with my family. Get the fuck away from me. <laughs> and he left. And I hadn't seen Corey since. But, uh, yeah. You know, it's just not crack, but it's any addiction that feeds you, you know. But, you know, that was my trip through the rock garden. Later. Peace out.